Welcome to another edition of the OK Preps Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by our high school sports editor, Barry Lewis. And this will be a fun one, Barry. Uh, we're going to break down the all-world selection process. Uh, we have, let's see, today we unveiled cross-country all-world. Uh, last Saturday was football, and we've also done volleyball. And softball, we've done, we've done softball. Uh, so volleyball tomorrow, then that's it, right, Barry? Then they're all out. That's it. Okay. So, but you and I are going to kind of take a deep dive here into football. Uh, first off, why don't you tell us the criteria for selecting the team just before we get going on any, on any specifics? Criteria are all players are eligible. You don't have to be a senior. So freshmen, so, sophomores, juniors, seniors are all eligible. Yep. Okay. Uh, is not as as well as for all our other sports too, and um, also uh, we try to get nominations. We attempt to get nominations from all coaches, and I'd say at least in football, probably I had an uh, for all world, uh, which includes the schools within sixty miles of us, and plus four others that are just outside the sixty mile area. Um, I'd say we had about an eighty percent response rate, and for those coaches who uh, didn't respond, try to do some research to try to get uh, players from those schools also honored, at least in an honorable mention, although definitely a coach's nomination can be a huge factor in the all-world and all-state process. So uh, then I go through all the nominations, and uh, you're talking a lot of nominations, which is a good thing, like to have a lot of nominations, and I'm an old-school person, so all that was meant I printed all the nomination forms out and just went through them. And um, then I get to put the team together and um, then pick out uh, for football, the five player of the year finalists in offense and five player of the year finalists on defense. And um, just try to get the five best players on each side of the ball. And um, um, in order not to tip our hand on who is going to be the player of the year, when we announce it in the, during the summer at our all-world banquet, um, just try to treat everyone equally. We don't, uh, and so um, they all automatically qualify. They're all automatically placed in the all-state, our Tulsa World all-state first team as well. So mm -hmm. um, just try to list everyone alph alphabetically. And truly, I have not decided, we have not decided on winners on any of the athlete of the years for each of the sports yet. Um, because we pick the finalists first and we want, when we see the finalists or contact them, we want, uh, we want to let them know that, uh, hey, we haven't made up our mind on anything yet. And uh, so um, that's the process basically. <laughs> like you said, Barry, just, just to repeat, all the winners will be announced at our all world banquet this summer. Uh, uh, Bill Knight Automotive is again our sponsor, so we appreciate everything that that he's done for us and our show. Um, we will announce the uh, keynote speaker, the time, and the date uh, later on. Uh, but it will happen. Just uh, we're just finalizing some some details. But Barry, let me so let's let's talk real quick about the ten finalists. Let me just kind of throw all ten at you. We'll do one by one and just kind of briefly touch on each player. Let's start with uh, Begs' C.J. Brown. C.J. Brown, obviously, uh, uh, just such an explosive running back. I was really surprised that uh, uh, he didn't get his 
that uh, it seemed like some other organizations weren't as high on him as we are um, because he's a dynamic running back. He could also, I mean, he was also a good defensive back as well. And he did so much for the Beggs program, as did Kendall Daniels, who preceded him by a year. And, of course, CJ's going on to Oklahoma State, just thought he had a fabulous career. And uh, I think he's going to have an outstanding college career as well. Lincoln Christian's Max Brown. Max Brown. Um, he may have been under the radar for some people, uh, some colleges through the year, but he wasn't under our radar ever. Uh, of course, Max wound up signing with Florida. And uh, I guess there, uh, some people may be wondering, um, you're talking about how the finalists are picked and the way our format is, okay, I want to get the five best players on the offensive side of the ball and defensive. And so on offense, it, two of them happen to be quarterbacks. So, but we've only got one slot for a quarterback on the, for, on the roster, on the first team roster. And so not to tip our hand, I can't put one of them first team and one the other second team because then that would show you um, that I'm the person who's on the second team, you wouldn't think they would have a chance to be player of the year then. So um, they both got to be on first team. And because Max punted five times, I gave him the punting slot. So, but that wasn't any slight on Max. And in order to treat them, you know, equally, I, I flipped them on the All-State, our All-State team the next day. Max is the All-State quarterback and Ty Pennington got like our all-purpose slot. So um, Ty actually punted one time himself in a playoff game. And so um, anyway, Max Brown, what a dual threat quarterback. I think he's going to have a I mean, over 100 touchdowns produced in his two years after moving from Wagner. Uh, just uh, great talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing with the Gators. All right, continuing with the offensive uh, candidates, Collinsville's Oscar Hammond. Oscar Hammond. Uh, he just did it all for Collinsville. Uh, they had several people who could have been like an all-world candidate. Yeah. Um, Braden Gilkey. I mean, that was a really uh, close call. Another running back, he rushed for over 2,000 yards. Then Andrew Carney, who happened to be our second-team quarterback. Andrew, probably it would have been tough to leave him off the finalists if he played a full season, but uh, he was injured. He missed a month and really was limited when he came back for a few weeks. But obviously, uh, it's really rare when a player who's missed as much time as he did gets second-team All-State. <laughs> Uh, in my selections and second team all world. So, but Oscar, he just did it all. I mean, great receiver. Um, I think if, I mean, he's a player, I think would have got some D1 offers in a normal time, mm -hmm. but um, um, he was also defensive back of the year in the district. I think he was four out of four passing, a good punt returner. Uh, he did it all for Collinsville. So, um, uh, the championship game said it all about him. He caught seven passes, 120 yards, and he broke up the final pass of the game <laughs> on defense. Yeah. And he scored two touchdowns. So uh, that's Oscar Hammond. All right. The fourth of the five uh, offensive candidates, Ty Pennington, Sand Springs. Ty Pennington, just what a fabulous year and career he had, just like Max Brown at Lincoln Christian. I think they're both sensational. It's really hard to choose between them. Um, Ty did it, uh, uh, led Sand Springs to their first semifinal appearance in six years, set all the Sand Springs career passing records, doing it against 6A2 competition, uh, mm -hmm. and 
really had a great year and uh, he's going on to Pitt State. All right, now let's move to the defensive side of the ball for those five candidates. Uh, help me with his last name, Barry. Jinx linebacker Ethan Bilgren? Bill Green, yes. Bill Green, okay. Tell, tell us about him. Uh, he, he was fascinating. He's the district player of the year. I mean, he's a person who um, I think a lot of people are surprised when the coaches of the district selected him as the district player of the year. But that just shows you what a impact he had. Um, mm -hmm. Just he's Jinx leading tackler. And Jenks had a tremendous defense, obviously. And, uh, but he was one of those players that we profiled um, about two weeks ago about the, the problems that some players had or getting recruiting attention. And while in a normal year, they would be getting a lot of recruiting attention, but he was frustrated and disappointed um, as recently as two weeks ago. And then University of Tulsa comes in right before signing day and offers him a preferred walk-on. And he doesn't, it doesn't take him, you know, he accepts right away. I mean, now for, I'm sorry, Barry, for those, for those who don't know, explain what a preferred walk-on is. Uh, just a uh, preferred walk-on is a person who um, is, has higher status than like, say, when you're in college, if you wanted to walk on the OSU team, <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, he is wanted. Uh, I mean, it's uh, and eventually those preferred walk-ons um, get to be on scholarship. Um, so uh, Mitchell Culkin, uh, Jenks linebacker from a few years ago, went to uh, went to TU as a preferred walk-on, and he got a scholarship last fall. So um, Jenks has sent a few players to TU uh, who they've wound up getting scholarships who went there as preferred walk-ons. So they've got the little pipeline going there. And so preferred walk-on means you are really wanted, but uh, they just can't give you at this point that scholarship that you are really wanted. Okay, moving on. Uh, big speed linebacker, Jake Puckett. Uh, Jack Puckett uh, was the leading tackler for Big Speed. Just a tremendous season. Again, a tremendous defense that <laughs> Big Speed had. Did and I say his name wrong, Barry? Did I say Jake? Yes. It's Jack. Jack. Jack, Jack Puckett. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, Jack Puckett, and he also played a little offense, and he showed he could play some tight end. So he, if Bixby had needed him to play, uh, to play more on offense, I think he could have been um, really effective as a pass receiver too. So, mm -hmm. um, but just an outstanding talent, Ted last two seasons which just an incredible playmaker for the Bixby defense and he's another player I think could have gotten a D1 offer in a normal year. Okay uh, Ethan Roust uh, defensive back at Holland Hall uh, one of two Holland Hall finalists. Yes Ethan um, had a great year at defensive back uh, but he and the other Holland Hall finalists in defense which we'll talk to talk about in a moment you have to look at their whole body of work, which I do sometimes um, when I'm picking the finalists or just picking first team selections. Uh, the whole body of work, which, which was really outstanding for Ethan, because not only was he outstanding defensive back, but uh, he also filled in as the quarterback for, uh, once they had an injury at that position late in the year and was just tremendous at quarterback and played quarterback at varsity before. Mm -hmm. uh, he 
in before that he was an outstanding receiver. <laughs> so uh, he just had, uh, and again, the championship game for him was also an illustration of his all around talents. Uh, he played, he was really effective passing. Uh, he caught a touchdown pass too from the new Campbell. And then he had the game saving interception. So he did it all. So Ethan Roush, who is uncommitted, um, but he's considering, um, uh, he's got a preferred walk-on offer from Oklahoma State, so he's considering that. So that's a, sort of a situation some um, some outstanding athletes are looking at. Do you take the preferred walk-on offer from the big-time school, or do you take an offer from a D2 school, a full-ride offer? Yeah. Uh, Coleman Thurber from Jinx, defensive lineman. Coleman Thurber, uh, he what an outstanding pass rusher. He and A.J. Brown, who were both first-team selections, uh, just uh, they, what a combination they were. So uh, they're both first-team selections on uh, All-World and All-State. And Coleman, of course, gets the edge as the Player of the Year candidate. Uh, both of them, uh, what a tandem they were. Uh, he was – Jenks had a great defense, and he was a huge part of it. And he's okay, going to NEO. Okay. Last candidate, Zane Woodham, linebacker from Hall Hall. Zane could have been, this is reminiscent of Brennan Presley a couple of years ago. Uh, Zane could have been chosen on either side of the ball for just what they did on that side of the ball. But when you mm -hmm. consider what they did on both sides of the ball, wow. <laughs> so Brennan, um, Everyone remembers him as a great offensive player, but he was one of our player of the year finalists on the defensive side of the ball. And I get, and again, I put him on the defensive side of the ball because um, it was easier for because I had like five other super outstanding people on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that's sort of, you know, the case with Zane too. Um, uh, I really wanted those five that I picked on the offensive side of the ball. And since Zane was such a standout on defense, I mean, incredible year defensively, incredible year offensively, did it all. And he also was uh, considering preferred walk-on offers at TU and OSU. Did I skip over Braylon Presley on offense, Barry? I think you did. <laughs> I think, yeah, you, when you mentioned him a second ago, I'm like, we skipped over him. I mean, how, how was that possible to skip over Braylon? Uh, the defending okay, so, player of the year. Yeah, good Lord. Okay, back up a little bit, back to offense, a little bit about Braylon Presley, uh, senior at Bixby, going to Oklahoma State, running back. Uh, not sure how exactly I could forget to mention him, but take it away. Um, great number. I mean, his numbers – may not have been as great as a lot of people were projecting going into the season. And maybe he was even projecting because he had high hopes and um, high goals. But uh, still, every time he touched the ball, you felt something incredible was going to happen. And he was, as far as piling up numbers, he was um, held back a little bit on that by the fact that he also had an injury. Mm -hmm. And uh, which caused him to miss some time, not a lot, but um, and because he had that injury, Bixby wanted to watch how they were using him uh, down the stretch, especially when they're routing everyone. <laughs> right? Yeah, and even from the start of the season, it was rare. I mean, 
that he would need to play our full game. Didn't need to. So his stats may not be quite up there with some other people, although they're really good stats. But that's just because he didn't play a full game. He rarely played a full game. So, uh, but still just had a dynamic season. Okay, so those are the 10 finalists. Uh, they were in um, Saturday's paper, Sunday, Saturday, Barry? Saturday, right? Saturday's paper. There we go. Uh, Saturday's paper, so it's all, you can pick up a copy or of course they're online. Um, you can check them out there, at, check out the other All Work team, teams if you like. Uh, we'll publish volleyball tomorrow. Um, okay, so not necessarily the finalists, just kind of let's broaden it out to the all-world football selections in general, Barry. What were some of the more difficult choices to make? Well, um, I mean, they're all, I mean, they're all kind of, you know, they're all challenging, but what were some of the more particularly difficult decisions? Um, the, uh, our, the last player of the year finalist on defense, um, I was really tempted to put R.J. Spears Jennings as the last finalist, even though, which is saying a lot for the impact he had, because um, he didn't start on defense until the fourth game of the season. Um, well, why he, is that? Because he's a wide, he's wide receiver. I mean, they were transitioning. Did an injury, did an injury prompt him to move no, slide over? No, they just realized, uh, Coach Blankenship realized that um, – he needed to be on the field as much as possible. <laughs> and obviously from the get-go, his first start on defense, he just made an impact. He had a pick six in that game. He had a game-saving pass breakup in the last moments in the end zone and a clinching interception in the last moments. And then as usual, had made his usual plays on offense. And that was a game that at Westmore that they were in danger of losing. So, Broken Arrow was struggling early in the season. And so that really, I think, helped. If Broken Arrow loses that game, it might have been really tough for them the rest of the season. But uh, they win that game, and then they go on to the semifinals and come so close to beating Union in the semifinals. Morion, remember early in the season, both with Morion Horn and R.J. Spears Jennings, they were used a lot differently in the first three games than they were after that. Morion Horn, and that was a tough call too, as far as like really would have loved to have gotten Morion Horn on the first team. Um, Cause they were focusing, he, they weren't using him at running back the first half of the season. And then when they started using him at running back, he just took off incredible numbers. He was producing over 200 yards every week, just a game changer. And so, his level play the second half of the season was just off the charts. So it was really tough to leave him off the first team, but we had three great running backs ahead of him. And um, so not having RJ Spears Jennings as a finalist and Marion Horn on the first team, those were two of the tougher selections. Have you gotten any uh, pushback from, from any of your selections? Oh, uh, a comment or two, but uh, not too much, thankfully. That's and that and that that must mean you did a good job when you don't have a whole lot of whole lot of complaints. Well, um, I'm always glad if someone wonders why such and such a selection was made, not just for football but for other sports. I'm glad to talk it out with them and explain where we were coming from because, I mean, you look at our second team selections. Um, 
I mean, some of them, there's not, in some cases, there's not a lot of difference between first and second team. So um, uh, it's just subjective on my part. And uh, I will say for better or for worse, I make the final decisions. And, um, you know, in all state, I think we talked a little bit about last week. Um, it's really tough, like with RJ Spears, Jennings, and Jaden Rowe, and Nunu Campbell. Those are three people it was really tough to leave off first team all state because I think they're incredible players. Reese Roller from Vernigris as well. Mm -hmm. But the all state team is not just a repeat of the all world team. Need to find room to make, to, include the best players all across the state. And uh, in the 10 finalists from the all-world selections are automatically gonna be on the all-state team. So that leaves very few slots open for local players on the all-state team. So mm -hmm. that's again, a challenge, a part of it. Great talent across the state. I've got four quarterbacks on the first team all state and had to find a slot for all of them because Jace Gilbert from Marlowe, state champion, Ben Harmon of Cashin. Um, well, actually, I've got five quarterbacks. <laughs> so Caden Powell of, of Clinton um, just had to find a spot for, and thankfully they're versatile. Caden Powell's outstanding defensive player. Um, and then Jace Gilbert, great kicker, great kicker, great kicker punter, one of the best kicker punters in the nation. Um, so have to find a spot for those guys on the team. Um, Gavin Freeman, people are wondering why I don't have him as a receiver. Uh, but it's like Oscar Hammond and Talon Schechter and have to be the receivers. So thankfully Gavin Freeman from Heritage Hall, who's going to OU as a walk-on, could have gotten a scholarship to Texas Tech, but he's going to use a walk, preferred walk-on. He had to be on the team somewhere. Great defensive back. Eric McCarty, again, what a running back he is. He's committed to OU, just a junior. He has to be on the team somewhere. He showed in the championship game what a force he is also as a defensive back. So these slots for all state first team, they go by quickly when you look at all the outstanding talent across the state. Tell us a little bit briefly about your uh, All-World all Coach of the Year and your All-State Coach of the Year. All-World Coach of the Year, Lauren Montgomery. Uh, it's not the first time he's won the award. He won it back in 2016. Uh, 40, I mean, his he's just say 49-game winning streak, uh, seven state titles in eight years, four in a row. It's almost like you could pick him every year. I think this year he did. There were a couple of things which um, – made me elevate him to be a coach of the year this year again. Um, which which were what? Which were the 49-game winning streak. That needs to be recognized. That's an all-time record. And the fact, he, most of his state championships have been won with a returning starter or quarterback. This one was not won with a returning starter. Um, that can be a challenge. But uh, Chris, to Christian Burke's credit, he stepped in and was great from the get-go. Really the combination. I really love the way that Coach Montgomery and his staff used um, Christian Burke and Connor Kirby to complement each other. Really great pass-run combination, mm -hmm. uh, which led to such an incredible offense. Um, remember back, they didn't even know who their quarterback was. I remember visiting them in June, didn't know at that time who the, they had four people battling for the quarterback spot. 
And so they win a state. They don't miss a beat, even though they've got a new starter at quarterback or two new mm-hmm. starters, in a sense, at quarterback. And so that's why he is the all-world all coach of the year. And then Kevin Jones from Collinsville, all-state coach of the year. Again, as I write about in my column there, when you have nine state champions, you could have like nine coaches of the year. Legitimately, you can make a case for either one of them. Um, Keith Riggs at Jenks, what a job he did. He uh, was a state coach of the year the previous year. Um, uh, you could have made an argument for him. I mean, because we had Jenks ranked third in the postseason, uh, preseason. They had lost quite a few players from um, quite a few quality players from 2020. Uh, did a great job, but um, Kevin Jones gets the edge because he knocked off, he and Collinsville knocked off the five-time state champion, Carl Albert. I mean, that's, I guess that's what separated Coach Jones. Had the perfect season, first title in Collinsville history. They finally made it to the summit, and the way they did it was just really impressive. So, Kevin Jones is the uh, state coach of the year. Anything else? Well, let's talk a little bit about basketball before we get out of here, Barry. But before we do, anything else you want to share about uh, the process or just anything else to throw out there? Um, I think we've pretty well covered it. Uh, again, I'm always glad to um, – if someone has a question why such and such a thing was done, I, you can email me at barry.lewis at tulsaworld.com. Yeah, I mean, and I, and, I, and I think I said a little of this last week. You're, you know, you're, you're, you are so thoughtful in your consideration. You do not take this lightly. You take this very seriously. And this is a, it's not a potential award. It's an on the field results, what you've seen, what you've heard type award. Um, it, it's a monster undertaking that you know you that you do every year. It's it's an ama- it's amazing stuff, and I'm I'm so glad to talk about it. And so it's it's so much fun to read about all these kids when, when they come out in the paper. Yes, and again, I, I remember we hinted at last week. It was going to be some people are going to wonder why some there were a few players who have been highly touted and are going to be I think really outstanding college players, but uh, they probably were. They might not have got first team recognition because I thought some other players for what they did on the field this year had better seasons. And that's yeah. what it's based on. Sure. All right, let's talk a little bit about Inside Outside before we get out of here. Why don't you just kind of tease that contest for us a little bit? Yes, uh, our annual Tulsa World Mr. and Ms. Inside Outside contest will uh, start. The voting will start on Sunday when we publish the 15 candidates at each of the positions, 15 Mr. and inside candidates, 15 Ms. inside and outside is what, you know, on so on. <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's something we like to have some fun with. These are uh, six, when you add them all up, there's 60 of the top players in the area. And um, we looked for coaches nominations. And uh, the, again, this is not, these are, this is separate from our postseason awards. Mm-hmm. So this is just a contest for the fans to let the fans speak and say, who do you think are the best players? So 
Um, this is a fun contest. It'll start on February 20th, this Sunday, and the voting will run till 2 p.m. Friday, March 4th, and we'll announce the winners on um, the following week leading up to the state tournament. Perfect. And you're, you're picking the boys team and Kelly Hines is picking the girls, correct? Yes. And, uh, and uh, the nominations of until we were taking nominations till midday Wednesday, when okay. February 17th, 16th. <laughs> Don't want to confuse people. Yeah, no kidding. Depending on when you're, when you're listening, that, that's an important clarification. All right, Barry, appreciate all the knowledge, all the info. Uh, great job on the All World and the All State. Uh, and we'll look forward to inside outside contest and uh, high school basketball playoffs, which are, you know, upon us. So we'll, we'll, we'll break, down, break down that next week. All right. Thanks, Patrick. All right, Barry. Thanks.